listening to First Church Charlotte. Amen. I am going to preach from this subject today, Surprised by Glory. Surprised by Glory. And I am going to read... I am going to read in Psalms chapter, excuse me, in Isaiah chapter number 58 in verse number eight. Why don't you stand with me right now? And we will, we will look together at this verse number eight of chapter 58. And I love sharing this with you today. So here we are, Isaiah 58 and eight, then shall thy light Break forth as the morning. I'm reading in the old school King James Version here. I want you to, to see. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily. At thy righteous and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. So I am going to look at this passage here. I think there's I think there's some powerful things here. At least uh, they have really moved my moved me in my own understanding, and I want to share them with you today. Before you're seated, high five your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. I can tell you need church. Amen. <clears throat> I hope you have a great Thanksgiving planned. I hope you're going to do whatever is your heart's desire. If your des heart's desire is to have a quiet holiday with friends and family, that's great. If your uh, idea is to go on some traveling circus, uh, also known as a family reunion or something like that, uh, I hope you get your heart's desire. I want to see you all have a great week. Um, uh, just to reiterate, uh, no Bible study this week, but we will have all church prayer meeting on 9 a.m. on Saturday morning. So uh, having read this, this scripture together, Isaiah 58, and end, you see that the passage ends with kind of an awkward word, a word that we do not use much anymore, and that is simply this. I'll read that last phrase, the glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. That is a, a King James word from that 16th century. We, of course, don't use it in our modern language. Uh, we would say something like this, the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Speaking in terms of an army, you have a vanguard and you have a rear guard. And when an army is traveling, it, of course, has the uh, the, the, the order of its march, and it marches in a certain way. Uh, like, for example, you can read in the book of Exodus how the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they had marching orders, and they had tribes that went in certain sequence. Uh, now, when an army travels, it has a similar style of, of managing its transition from one place to another, and it has the uh, front the vanguard, and of course it has the troops at uh, the rear, also known as the rear guard. And so this word re-reward is really 
saying this, the glory of the Lord shall be your your rear guard. It, it goes against everything uh, we tend to think of as Christians and believers. Now, let me let me be uh, transparent here today. I, I grew up in church. I uh, I grew up going to summer camp meetings. Now, if you've never been to a camp meeting, I feel sorry for you because they were pretty much the coolest thing that could happen uh, when you were growing up. Now, back in the 19th century, camp meetings were not what they are now. Camp meetings literally was they would pick a field and they would go out and have church at this field and they would camp out all of the uh, families because they were much better at camping out back then of necessity. Uh, They would pack up whatever they needed, a tent or in some cases a covered wagon. They would go to a field and there they would array, they would have a camp master and they would lay out where the various uh, tents or wagons were going to be and they would have communal fires and and they would have church together. They would have an extended set or sequence of services while they all camped in this field or this clearing or this meadow. That was the beginning of camp meetings. Well, a few years later, once churches were a little more established, uh, the thing was, at least how I grew up with them, is a group of churches, either in an association or an organization or denomination or just associated churches, they would uh, kind of pull their resources, and they would then go to a campground. They would go to a place where there was a uh, kind of an auditorium, and and they would be like these, uh, how shall we say, like dormitories, and uh, they would bring in a camp meeting preacher. That meant you were big time. I've only preached one camp meeting in my life, and that shows you I'm not very big time, even though I know how to act big time, you know. Uh, so anyway, the, and so uh, I grew up in these camp meetings, and man, they were awesome. You'd have the best band in the region. Whoever was the best drummer, that was usually me. Thank you very much. I was humble about it, too. The best keyboardist, the best of everything, and they'd bring in a camp meeting preacher, and man, you talk about a good time. They would flat have church. Now, if you grew up, it was easy for you to talk about how the glory of the Lord was there, and we, we and when I was growing up, I heard stories about people who would actually see the Shekinah glory, and they, some, some of you guys have heard those stories. Some of you may, have, may even have been in a service where you saw the Shekinah. The only place I ever saw the blue smoke was at the bar restaurant you would go to after the service was over. I always wanted to see the blue smoke in the service, but I had to wait until I got to the bar and there was blue smoke everywhere and there was no risk of it being the Shekinah glory. But um, anyway, so uh, this was a, a, a camp meeting. It was exciting. It was powerful. And I'm telling you from the first song, everybody who was there wanted to be there. There was no flaky people there. They all stayed home. There was no half backslidden people. If they were, they were greatly outnumbered and they were going to be prayed through in the altar. Uh, <laughs> it was a, it was kind of like a high holy day where all the spiritual people and all the 
committed people and all the powerful, tap your neighbor and say, he's talking about me now. Uh, the powerful people were, and you had the best band, and you had the, the camp meeting preacher. When I was growing up, my, my favorite camp meeting preacher was Rex Johnson. He's still a great preacher. He pastors in Austin, Texas, but he was my favorite camp meeting preacher. And man, I still remember some of the messages he preached. Maybe, maybe the greatest message I remember from those days is a message he preached entitled, um, Thy Grace is Sufficient. He told a personal testimony and just, wow, an amazing service talking about power and glory and, mm, yeah, and just awesome. And if you grew up there, to you, that's what the glory of the Lord is like. When everything is happening, when the place is rocking and grooving and moving and shaking and people are caught up and people are lifting their voices and they're not worried about who's sitting beside them. Some of you guys could take some notes here if you'd like to. And you forget about who did you wrong song last week and you get in the presence of God and you simply say, Lord, I want to worship you. I want to glorify you. I, you don't worry about what this section, everybody knows this section's a little backslid. And you don't worry about this section right over here. And it, 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 you get in one mind and one accord in that. Is there anybody in the house that knows what I'm talking about? So this is my word for you here today. No matter what kind of a week you had, the glory of the Lord that you perceive is in this house right here today if you can perceive it. But if you cannot perceive it, it won't matter if it was here. Remember the story of Jacob and he he's in a dry place. He's running for his life. All he can think of is he has lost his family place. He is now in exile and he's running and he's terrified. And he lays his head down on a stone pillow. That's called a, a tough sleep. You thought you didn't sleep good last night. Try using a rock for a pillow. And it's here that he has the vision of ministering spirits going up and down a ladder between heaven and earth. And it is here in this place that he wakes up and he says, my goodness, the, the glory of the Lord, the presence of the Lord was here and I did not even know it. You see, the problem isn't glory. The problem is our ability to perceive the glory of God. That's what's hard. That is what's difficult to perceive the glory of God. Chances are you will allow yourself to feel or know or experience him if everything else is right in your life. Then you will experience God. But when you're hurting, you'll just worry about survival. I'm preaching to some folks here. You'll just worry about making it to the next week. You'll just worry about making it another day. You won't perceive the glory of God. However it is that you perceive the glory of God, whether it is you in a quiet place, reaching out to touch the hem of his garment, or whether it is you in a powerful church service where everyone else is getting blessed and you decide I might as well be blessed too since everybody else is getting blessed, or you look over and that one person who gets on your nerves is more blessed than you are and you get mad about it. And you're like, I can't let them get ahead of me. And so you say, oh Lord Jesus, I want to pray. Whatever it takes, you need to experience the glory of God in your life. Amen. Amen. But here's a surprise. The glory of the, of the Lord often comes in a place 
and in a way that you did not understand, you did not see it coming, and you simply were astonished by what you were seeing. I want to read a passage. This is from Job chapter number 5, and I'm going to read it verse number 8, and this is a part of the conversation between Job and his friends, and one of his friends says this to him, and I'm reading from the message translation. I love the way it puts the vernacular here. If I were in your shoes, I'd go straight to God. I'd throw myself on the mercy of God. That's some good advice right there. If I were in your shoes, I would take myself straight to the Lord and I would throw myself on the mercy of God. Verse number nine, after all, he is famous for great and unexpected acts. There's no end to his surprises. Oh, I love that. He is famous for unexpected things. And there is no end, this is the message translation, to his surprises. Uh, This is what I I want you to know and I want you to see in your life. Um, Just when you think you have God figured out, you'll be surprised when he does something you did not see coming. Just when you think you know how the story is going to be told, you will be stunned by God doing something you did not see coming. It is his pleasure to show up in unexpected places and to work in unexpected ways and to leave us with this sense of, I, don't, I, I, I did not see that coming, but great is the Lord. How many of you are witnesses of that in, this, in your own life? You're witnesses of that. So here's what I want you to see. Uh, The Lord's glory is usually perceived by us in whatever uh, venue or context that we are comfortable in ourselves. So like I said, if you grew up going to camp meetings, uh, you probably have a sense of the great glory of God in that house. If you have been able to go to conferences and uh, you, there you, you walk in and there's this sense of anticipation in the air. Why? Because everyone who came there, they expected to hear good singing and good preaching. They came looking for the glory of God. Uh, But if I put you in another context, let's say, for example, I ask you to go help start a church somewhere, and there's just uh, one or two people there, and you go to this small church, uh, maybe they don't even have a building, maybe they're using a room, a meeting room, some public meeting room, and you go in there and they don't have great music. And uh, the preacher is uh, really not, you know, prone to kind of, you know, preach traditional style because there's just a few people there. And nobody is jumping and nobody's shouting and no one's lifting up their voice. And it's just you and in this small group of people, you're wanting to see people start moving their life toward God. But if you're not careful, you thinking the glory of the Lord is less there than where you are comfortable, you will think that there wasn't much of the glory of God in that little room. But I want you to know the problem is not the glory of God. The problem is your ability to perceive the glory of God. 
You see, this is what it comes down to. Our ability to perceive the glory of God. The Lord is the same everywhere. Can I have some agreement in the house? He's not one prone to being this way today and different tomorrow. In fact, the scripture says he's the same, what? Yesterday, today, and forever. And his spirit fills all things, yes? There is every, he is everywhere. Uh, Theologians use this fancy $5 word. He is omnipresent. Omni is in totality. Present is, well, you know what present is what you get at Christmas. But (laughs) omnipresent means God is everywhere. Or actually, more technically for the translators in here today, there is nowhere God isn't. If God doesn't change, hear me somebody, if God doesn't change and he is uh, the same yesterday, today, and forever, his presence is just as powerful in the middle of your struggle as it is in the middle of your victory. Oh, I'm telling you, if you could ever see that, it would change the way you worship him. It would change the way you glorify him. It would put some praise in your feet in the middle of your trial. Why? Because you know in your heart. Mm. You know, me and Silas, stuck in the jailhouse. We've been beat up. You ever been beat up? I'm not talking about marriage. That's a different deal. Uh, here you are. You're beat up. Me and Silas in the, in the, in the uh, well, what do you want to do, Silas? Well, I don't know. Uh, maybe we ought to try to cheer ourselves up a little bit. That's a good idea. Let's cheer ourselves up, Brother Silas. Well, what do you want to do? Well, I think I'll sing a song. Uh, what's that song you want to sing? Well, how about, I'm coming up, coming up children, on the rough side. Mm. Of the mountain. Mm, just, mm, yeah. <laughs> All right, appreciate that song, my brother. Mm, what, what do you want to sing, Brother Paul? Mm, uh, I think maybe I should sing that song, uh, You're Gonna Make It. Oh, my, my back hurts. You're gonna make it. You've got. What do they begin to do? Okay. They experience the manifestation of the glory of God in such a manner that an earthquake shakes the building, breaks their bonds, and sets them free. What changed? The context didn't change until they changed the context. I want you to know, those of you who have been fighting despair, you've been fighting discouragement, you've been fighting depression, I'm here to tell you, you can change your context by changing what you're looking at, by changing what you're celebrating, by changing what you're acknowledging. You need to learn how to join with the singers who sing in the prison and say, God is great, and he's a way maker, and he's a deliverer, and he gives me hope. He gives me joy. And so they then, having worshiped God, receive a demonstration of the glory glory of God. So I want to surprise you with this insight here where the the, the prophet Isaiah really explains himself uh, in in a way that that you would not expect him to. And why do I say that? Because Isaiah is better at glory language almost than any other writer of the Old Testament prophets. He writes glory so wonderfully. Even when he's writing about, you know, uh, men of sorrows 
acquainted with grief. He writes with such majesty and glory that when you read it, you almost get chill bumps on your chill bumps. It's just like, oh my goodness. We hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not, but surely he hath. You see what I'm saying? Isaiah writes glory language better than almost any other writer in all of the word of God. Maybe even definitely better than, I I would say, than almost any of the Old Testament prophets. He writes glory. Even when he writes of a sad story, uh, he writes it gloriously. And yet he's the one who in this passage we read together, when he says to, uh, he, he, he writes of the, the people of God, he says, thy righteousness shall go before thee and the glory of the Lord shall be your re-reward or the rear guard. The, the glory, the, God, the, 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 the righteousness shall be the vanguard shall go before thee. And the glory, somebody say the glory, the glory shall be the rear guard of God's people. Oh, I, I, let me, let me, let me have some fun here for a moment. I bought, I, I used, are the same guys over here? I'm going to use the same guys. They've had some practice. Uh, we lost one of them. That's all right. That's all right. Okay. The, 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 uh, uh, come on, Don, Don, Don and, and Adam, get up here. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> So, so th- they're going to be my army here today, okay? Uh, I want you to get an idea of the difference between those who lead the army and those who follow behind the army. And I want to point out, nowadays we have professional soldiers who ride around in tanks and planes. But for most of human history, armies traveled almost like a caravan of sorts, and the most glorious of the soldiers, the most strong, the most powerful, the most uh, well-equipped of the soldiers, they would make up the vanguard of the army, and they would be the ones who would face the enemy. They would enter into battle, okay? And so this is the vanguard, and when you see them march, they have this strength about them, this authority about them, this this equipment about them. So I've asked these fine gentlemen, they're all ready to go, and and, and they're going to march across here like a vanguard, and so they're going to be upright and they're going to have their chest stuck out very far and they're going to suck their stomach in as far as possible Uh, a little bit further further can you suck it in a little bit more okay we're going to go with what we got all right all right here we go ready lift lift left left right left lift lift Mm, mm, mm. Yes, thank you very much. This is the vanguard. Someone say they're strong. Somebody say they're trained. Okay, every army has the... It, it's like they say nowadays, it's, it's teeth versus tail. It's like an animal. The teeth are the dangerous in, and the tail, well, that's, I guess, what follows along. Uh, they still use this terminology in militaries today, and when they talk about the efficiency, they still talk about teeth versus tail. The teeth is your combat infantrymen, your lead, uh, say, combat vehicles, uh, your, your fighting airplanes, not tankers, not transports, but fighters. That 
that is the teeth. And they're out front, but they cannot survive without the tail. They need food. They need ammunition. They need water. They need support. They need mechanics. They need cooks. Okay? The difference in the teeth and the tail is that the teeth is your combat trade. It's the best of the best. Now, in modern, in modern times, uh, we have professional armies. But when this was written, uh, armies were almost, almost like calling of the tribe. You would send out a call, and the strong men of the tribe and those who supported them would come out to answer that call. And so you have uh, the vanguard. Somebody say muscles. Thank you. I've been waiting some time for you guys to notice that about me. But um, anyway, so you have the strong vanguard. And then you have what they call camp followers. Camp followers in olden times were women and children. The baggage train. The cooks. These are not the tough guys. These are not muscles like your lovely local friendly pastor. (laughs) These were not combat infantrymen. These were not the guys who had... This was the wounded, the weak, the children, wives, camp followers, baggage carriers. The rear guard of the army was those who could barely keep up. So now, having seen the fine, excellent men of valor, strength, and power, we're going to flip a switch, and they're going to switch from being vanguard, they're going to start being the the rear guard. And so, uh, Brother Ed here, he's got a real bad limp, because a mule kicked him in the leg, and ever since that happened, he's not very much good for, you know, battle. And uh, here's Adam. Adam's really a baggage carrier at best. We hope for more from him. But, um, you know, he gets confused with anything other than, hey, you, carry that box. And uh, this is this is Dewan. He was shot multiple times, but he won't die for some reason. It's like a gift over here. And uh, this is Nathan. Uh, Nathan uh, didn't uh, change his socks, and so he had real bad foot sores all over his feet. He could barely walk, okay? And and this is Don. Don's just getting up there. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he used to be a young, you know muscled hunk of a guy like his son is now. Now he's about, you know, he's about one whisker away from retirement. You know what I'm saying? And he can't get on the front of the army. So I want these guys to show you what the rear guard of the army looks like. Come on, give me your best. I think I can. I think I can. My God, my back hurts. Holy God. I wish they'd slow down up there. They're not, they don't kill me. I'm not as young as I used to be. I had to get glasses because I can't see anymore. I'm getting old. I have to get back surgery next month. I'm just a mess. My God, I'm too old for this. (laughs) Give these guys a hand right here. Everybody's comfortable with the glory of God being revealed through the person who has power, strength, authority, and ability. Of course, the great preacher and prophet sees the glory of God because look how strong they are. Look how powerful they are. But the prophet, even the one known for glory language, says this, the glory of the Lord is going to be with the people in the back of the army, the camp followers, the children, the wives, 
the wounded, the old, the tired, the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. The rear guard is going to be where God shows forth his glory. I want you to see something here. We are so easily confused in serving the Lord. And we often think that uh, if only so-and-so was there, then it would be powerful. And if only I was talented in this way, then it would be powerful. It would be a shock for you to see how things were in the New Testament church. In fact, it's still a shock to me to read the language of, of some of the apostles, particularly the apostle Paul, who points this out. He says, uh, we, have, we have suffered many things. We have been persecuted. We have been beaten. We have been betrayed. We have been made. And this is one of the things he says in one place. He said, we have been made a spectacle. And these apostles, oh, let me just talk about church culture for a moment. Us, us churchy types, we, we love to talk about glory and power. And uh, we will stand up here, myself included, and we'll say things like this. And when I say it, you'll resonate with it. You'll be like, that's right, that's right, amen, that sounds good. You ready? Here we go. We want more of God's presence. Somebody say, yes. We want more of God's power. We want more of God's glory. You will never hear us say this. We want more suffering. This side was the most spiritual side of the church right here. You will never hear a preacher say, show us more danger so we can be a witness and a spectacle to the world. Let us be beaten that people might see love through us. Let us be betrayed so the spectacle of our suffering might change the world. Let us be abandoned and let us die a martyr's death so the whole world might see that this truth we're sharing is something we're willing to die for. We don't want that kind of glory. And I mean that honestly, Lord. I, I, I know I'm trying to make a point and they're laughing at me, but really, I just want blessing all the time. We think glory is with the vanguard when we have the best preachers and we have the best singers and we have the most talented organizer and administrator and we have the best of everything. We think that's where the glory of God is. But I want you to know God's glory is often with the weak. The story that we celebrate this gospel of Jesus Christ that we celebrate and we're so thankful for. And I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come. The glory that we celebrate of this gospel, it's not the kind of thing that is... Uh, in some way we accomplish through our effort. It's, it's not as though we were ever worthy. It's not as though we deserved anything. The reason why there is a church is because God knows how to get glory with weak things. So I'm here to give this hope. And I, I love being a preacher of hope. I love being a 
preacher of faith. I love being a preacher of the gospel. I love it. This is what I want you to know. However weak you feel, it might be that God has chosen you for his glory. And it might be. It might be that however lowly you find yourself to be, that God has chosen you to reveal who he is and what he wants to do through you. Lay down your idea of what kind of glory that God is seeking and instead offer yourself as a living sacrifice and say unto him, I don't know how you could get glory out of those of us bringing up the rear of the army. (laughs) I don't know how you could get honor from those of us who are wishing everyone else would take a break and give us a chance to catch our breath. But Lord, if you choose to put your glory among the simple things, I want you to know I am here. Manifest yourself among me, among my life, through me, in my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. The great surprise of serving God is the realization that he didn't choose the mighty, he chose the lowly. That's the surprise of God's glory right there. We're going to have a baptism here in just a moment. We're excited about that. We're excited about what the Lord's doing in people's lives. It's a great day to take on the name of the Lord. I, I, want to, I want to remind all of you the great surprise of God's glory is the fact that he did not choose to reveal it with the vanguard of our lives, the vanguard of the human story, but rather he chose to reveal it among weak things. One of the realities of a church is the healthier church is. So let me say this a different way. Most people think that the healthier a church is, the less weakness there is in the church. When a church is really healthy, there's not any weakness in the church. And yet the glory of God is revealed in the weak. And this is the astonishing thing. The healthier the church is, the more weakness it can take care of. Does that make sense? The stronger the church is, ye who are strong, the writer says, bear up the weak. The healthier the church is. You see, if we're not careful and we apply our carnal minds to the kingdom of God, we will think the church is made strong by banishing the weak. You see, we're just strong here. We really don't have much room for weakness. But I want you to know this. God's glory is revealed in surprising places. And when you see God's glory, it won't ever be quite where you thought it was supposed to be. And it won't be manifest in quite the way you expected it to be manifest. You will be surprised by the glory of God. Because rather than being on on a charger leading an army, you'll find glory wrapped in a baby. And 
rather than a victory over the powers that be, you will see an innocent Lamb of God crucified. The glory of God is always revealed in a surprising manner. And so I want to say to all of you, I want to say this. The thing you may be hiding from others because you don't want them to know you're weak might be the thing that God wants to use to reveal his glory. I know that's scary because we all have plenty of vanity and if you don't have enough vanity, just tap your neighbor and they'll give you some of theirs. We all have frequent flyer miles built up of vanity. And when we're struggling, we don't like to let people know we're struggling. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Say, you're preaching about me. That's right. Thank you much. Thank you. Everybody already knew. You just pretended they didn't know. And yet, glory is revealed in the rear of the army, not in the vanguard of the army. It's a surprise that God chose us. Because all of hell looked at the plan of Calvary and thought, that'll never work. (laughs) And yet, three days later, he came out of the grave. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray you would be with your people. I pray you would anoint them for the work. I pray you would strengthen them for the the spiritual labor. And Lord Jesus, I pray you would guide them according to your great will. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. And let the church say together, amen. One more time, clap your hands and praise to the Lord. Amen, amen. I know it's a, this is a holiday week and you'll have big plans. And I, I, Be safe on your travels. Uh, show the love of God to your family. Don't, don't get in any way caught up in kind of some of the tensions that can sometimes happen at the holidays. Don't return impatience for impatience and irritation for irritation. Show the love of God to the people in your life. Remember, no Bible study is real. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.